We're in Romans 6, 5 through 11 in English this morning. And uh, here is what it says. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. All right, so... Working through the Apostles' Creed and uh, our basic beliefs, last week we looked at the forgiveness of sins, uh, which is where we focused on the death part of Jesus. And then this week, uh, the next piece of the creed uh, after forgiveness of sins is the resurrection of the body. And I love how we phrase that, the resurrection of the body, because, uh, you know, languages shift over time. And in the original language, when this creed was uh, put together officially, uh, they, they called it the resurrection of the flesh. <laughs> and the word in that original for the flesh was literally the same word they would use to describe the meat hanging on the hook in the butcher shop, right? The, the body, the physical world, was not viewed very highly. <laughs> and especially uh, in that time period, there were groups who really felt that the body in the physical world as a whole was kind of evil, uh, the, the whole goal of, uh, of being a spirit in a body was to escape the body eventually, right? That the spirit was more important. And yet we see in our creed, there's this constant emphasis in the creed of the God of the physical world, right? We have, when we talked about, I believe in God, the Father, right? I believe in God, the Father, the maker of heaven and earth. That was the whole, the whole thing, right? The maker of heaven and earth, the God who created the physical world. And then we talked about the son, Jesus, who we specifically note was born of the Virgin Mary. He's a human being doing human things, right? He suffered and he died. And we talk about the Holy Spirit inhabiting, inhabiting humanity and creation. We talk about the church as the body of Christ. And so it's probably no surprise that the resurrection of the body makes the list of key elements of belief. And this emphasis on the physical world kind of stands in contrast to a lot of other spiritual faith, uh, more spirituality type faiths. In fact, the ancient Gnostics, they thought that, that the body and especially, sorry ladies, especially the body of a woman was a horror. <laughs> I know, I know, they were not very nice. But here was, here was their, their thinking. Their thinking was a, a woman encapsulates all the things that the physical world are, right? Because, because they, they are the ones who give birth to more physical things, right? They're the creators of more physical things. And so they thought the body is an awful place. And yet we focus in our creed on Jesus who was born of the Virgin Mary. It's right there in it. Sometimes I think that in those eras when they were, when they were kind of uh, combating maybe is too strong of a word, but then when they were fighting against some of those struggles and those alt alternate beliefs and those, those kind of out there groups like the Gnostics, I, I sometimes think they purposefully put these things in there to drive those guys nuts. <laughs> like just to make a point. <laughs> Born of the Virgin Mary, take that. <laughs> 
And then, of course, we have, you know, God the creator, the, the creator who values his creation so much that he would send his own son to die to save it. And then you have Jesus who was resurrected in his body, right? We have the story of Thomas that we're going to talk about later where he gets to see the scars and the holes in Jesus. There's this emphasis on the body within our faith. And so generally speaking, our faith kind of follows this formula, right? So as a creation, we're a combination of the breath of God, right? God's spirit, and then his creation, the physical, right? We're made from the dust of the earth, it says in Genesis, and at some point, when we come to know Jesus, you spiritually die to yourself to give your life to Jesus and be renewed, right? The, you're renewing your spirit. But you still, at some point, you physically die. And, and for, for most Bible scholars, the belief is that when you physically die, your body gets put in the ground, your spirit immediately gets to be with Jesus. And then when he comes back, your spirit joins with a renewed body to live in a renewed heaven and earth. That's the confusing part. And that's the part that we're going to talk about a little bit today, because it is confusing. And the, the great reassurance I can give you is that I'm going to give you some explanations of how that works and what that looks like. And ultimately, we're going to decide together that we don't really have any idea what that looks like. There is an aspect of what we do that we call faith. <laughs> so let me connect some of these dots. All right, let's connect some dots this morning. Uh, and we're going to have some help from Paul, uh, because Paul... Uh, writes all kinds of stuff about this in, in Romans and 1 Corinthians and Philippians. He's, this is a big focus for him. Uh, so you have God creates the physical world. That means you and I, he creates us. Jesus lives in this physical world in a physical body, right? In other words, Jesus is a real person. That's kind of a key point here, right? Jesus is a real person. He's not just some hypothetical person or some spiritual person. He is a real in the body person. And Jesus physically died, all right, we talked about that a little bit last week when we talked about the forgiveness of sins through his sacrifice, yes, right? So Jesus physically dies. Now, that's an important point too because there are groups uh, there are groups who believe that Jesus didn't like technically die, like God can't, God can't die, right? But we know, we read the, the scriptures, the straightforward, Jesus dies. Now, we also know that we are united with Jesus in this sacrifice, right? He died for our sins and we, in our baptism, do the same thing, right? The old is gone, the new has come, all right? In, in our verses, in Romans 6, 3 through 4 and 6 to 7, it says this, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And when we were baptized into his death, we were placed into the tomb with him. We know that the person we used to be was crucified with him to put an end to sin in our bodies. Because of this, we are no longer slaves to sin, the person who has died has been freed from sin, right? So we, it says, just like Jesus, we die to our sins. We, the old self, the sinful self, it dies and we let Jesus live within us. We have a new spirit. We've been renewed. We die to ourselves and we get remade when we submit to Jesus. So, so we know that we die with Jesus, but then we also know that Jesus was physically resurrected, all right? He wasn't just some spirit. There were witnesses on witnesses in the Gospels, you've got, you've got Mary and John and Peter and Thomas, and then he appears to all the disciples. And then it says at one point, he just appeared to 500 people. They don't even name them all. <laughs> Which, as somebody who likes to read my Bible all the way through, I'm thankful for. Right? Because we get enough of that in the Old Testament. Amen? So, so, we don't have all these lists, right? But he appears to all these people. And the amazing thing to me in the Gospels is, 
These were written shortly afterwards, not, not like as they were happening, but they were written shortly after they happened to the point that those people would have probably still been alive, right? So if, they had, if somebody had written down, Jacob saw Jesus on this day, they could have just gone and asked Jacob, hey, did you see Jesus on that day? Right? So there's these, there's these confirmations, like Jesus was physically resurrected, people saw him, and there's a connecting verse in Romans 6 that I strategically skipped over when I just read through. It's verse 5. It says, If we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. See, it follows that if we believe that we've died with Christ, and we've been crucified with Christ, then we also must be raised with Christ. And so when we talk about the resurrection of the body, it's not just a spiritual resurrection, but our, we, are, we get to be sort of reunited with ourselves at the end, which sounds bonkers, right? Just to say that out loud, even, even as I said it out loud, that sounds like a crazy thing. And yet that's, that's sort of the, the MO in the, in the Gospels, is God does these things that don't make any sense to us, right? Like, I'm just going to throw this out there. I don't know if I want to keep this one, right? Like, if I get to be reunited with a body... Why can't I get a better one? Right? Chisel a little bit. Here's the great <laughs> Thanks, babe. <laughs> so here's, here's the great part, because we're going to talk about that in a second. Paul has something to say about that, too. But the thing is that we are, we are physically resurrected with Jesus when he comes again. Right? We believe what Romans 6, 8 through 10 says, as if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. And so what does that look like? Right? Jesus, he comes back. Right? This is kind of a, a key piece of what we believe. Jesus is coming back. In fact, it was so key that Paul focuses on it on most of his letters. He touches on the fact that Jesus is coming again and that we should be ready. And we summarize that in this creed by just saying we believe in the resurrection of the body. And yet Paul emphasizes, just be ready. We don't know what it's going to look like. You should just be ready. And so naturally people had questions, right? If Paul's going to tell them, Jesus is coming back, you're going to be resurrected, even the dead are going to raise, what's going to happen? And so people had questions, what's that going to look like, right? How does that work? Is it the same body? And, and this might seem silly, but I've had this question a lot. Can I be cremated? Because if i got to reunite with my body and it's just a pile of ashes, how's that work? And so, so Paul, Paul goes in depth in this in 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, and so if you're curious, you can go read the whole chapter later. There's a lot there, all right? This whole chapter is about this topic. And uh, apparently the church in Corinth was struggling with it about as much as we do. But for this morning's sake, we're just going to focus on one chunk of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 15, 35 through 44. And Paul says this, someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And when you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. 
The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, the stars another, and even the stars differ from stars in splendor. So will it, so will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body and raised, in a, uh, raised a spiritual body. So Paul views our current bodies as sort of imperfect or at the best incomplete. And if you consider the amount of pain and illness and then eventual death that our bodies suffer, I'd say he's not too far off. But he also views our bodies like a seed. He says when you plant a seed, it doesn't stay a seed, right? It's raised to new life like nothing that little seed could have ever imagined being, <laughs> right? Consider the, the trees in our rows out here, right? And the small seed that those start as. These look nothing like the seed. <laughs> Maybe a little bit, but not really. They're stronger, right? They're more glorious. They do more. They're more powerful, and the same, Paul says, is true of our bodies when they're resurrected. When Jesus comes back and we get to reunited, he says, your bodies are just like these seeds where they're going to they're gonna have a resemblance. Sure. But are they going to be the exact same? No. And I'll give you an example of this, and we'll use Jesus as the example, because let's be honest, there aren't that many examples of people you can demonstrate what they look like after they were resurrected. All right. So we're going to go with Jesus. And in the Gospels, uh, just about every, all the Gospels have a story of how this works, uh, but I'm going I'm to use the Gospel of John uh, because that's what I do my podcast on, so that's fresh in my head uh, because I just did that this last week. And so in John's telling of it, uh, Mary is at the tomb and she's crying because uh, Jesus' body is missing. And we see Jesus, he shows up with Mary and she doesn't recognize him. In fact, she thinks he's the gardener. <laughs> so you think, okay, so Jesus looks a little bit different because you would think that Mary, who, who loved Jesus, whose whole life was changed by this guy, you would think she would not forget what he looks like after three days. And yet she doesn't recognize him, right? Because now he's been resurrected. His body looks different enough that Mary doesn't recognize him until she hears his voice call her name. However, on the flip side of this equation... Immediately after this encounter with Mary, Jesus appears to the disciples and to dear old Thomas. Thomas, of course, is famous for something in this story. He is famous for doubting. <laughs> because the disciples come and they say, we've seen Jesus, he's back. And Thomas is like, yeah, right. That is not how death works. <laughs> but then Jesus shows up. He shows up in their midst and he shows Thomas the holes in his hands and the gaping hole in his side from where they thrust the spear into him. And so apparently his body was, his, his appearance was changed enough that Mary did not immediately recognize him, but it still bore the marks of his sacrifice. So what does that mean? I have no idea. There's a lot about faith that I have no idea what that looks like. <laughs> I think anything, anything looking ahead, when you talk about heaven, when you talk about uh, prophecy, when you talk about resurrection, Jesus coming back, what's that going to look like? Anybody who says they know for sure what that looks like is out of their mind. <laughs> we have glimpses and we have ideas, but to say that we have a 100% picture of what that looks like, my goodness. <laughs> 
And so Jesus has this new body. It's, it's, it's more glorious. It's more powerful. But the interesting part to me is that his power and his glory are still demonstrated by the abuses that he took on the cross. That even with even being changed enough that Mary doesn't recognize him, he still bears those pieces of who he was. Being raised from the dead after what he went through by itself is stunning, but he was changed, more glorious and more powerful because now he had even defeated death itself. And in Philippians 3, Paul writes it this way. He says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior. Right? That's i.e. we're waiting for Jesus to come back. Who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory. And so Paul, in essence, states that that if we're that asking how the resurrection is going to work, what it's going to look like, what kind of body we're going to have, he says, look, it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. Sometimes we get wrapped up in these trivial details, right? And we let the, the trivial stuff distract us from the main point, right? Does it really matter what our bodies are going to look like? Or should we just love the simplicity of this statement? We believe in the resurrection of the body, <laughs> Does it really matter what our bodies are going to look like if we get to go be with Jesus? I want to be honest. I don't know that I'm going to be concerned with anything else if I could just spend the whole day with Jesus. And so Jesus will come again. Our bodies will be resurrected. They'll be made new. They'll be remade just like heaven and earth will be made new. And we'll get to live forever with Jesus in that glorious place. Right? And I'm not going to dwell too much on that because that's spoilers for next week. We talk about life everlasting. But the most important question that we have to ask, if we're going to talk about the resurrection, the second coming, we have to ask, why does it matter? Like, what, what, does, what does it matter that our bodies are going to be resurrected? Why, what does that, how does that affect our life today, like right now? And I think to summarize, if you had to summarize what that does for us right now, uh, there's really only one word that fits. It's hope. There's hope. <laughs> There's hope that, that this body, with its frailties and its imperfections, this body will be made new, just like my spirit's made new when I interact with Jesus. It's a, it's a demonstration of God's recreating power that not only my spirit, but my body can be made new. And there's hope because even death, which is the ultimate picture of frailty in our bodies, is defeated once and for all. By the resurrection, not only of one man in Jesus, or even a second man in Lazarus, but it's defeated by the resurrection of every person. <laughs> every person. It's the final stomp on death. There is hope that the world that we live in, with all of the evil and injustice and disasters, that even this world gets to be remade. You know, I think a lot of times when we talk about heaven and we talk about Jesus coming back, it's this like, it's us flying, floating up through the air, right? It's the left behind, right? It's we're all floating up into the air and heaven is up there somewhere. And then you read Revelation and it says he's going to remake the earth. It's going to be, we're going to get to live on a new earth and have a new heaven. It's all going to be new. And so this world gets to be remade, right? Because let's be honest, we wouldn't need a resurrection if there wasn't a better world to be resurrected into once this one has passed away. What's the good of having a resurrected body in some new and glorious and powerful place when the place we live in is still an awful place to be? It all gets remade. It's not just that we get resurrected. Even creation itself gets to be resurrected. That this world that we live in is not the end. In fact, this world is just a shadow of what's going to be. 
And there's hope because what we experience now in this world cannot possibly compare to the splendor of what's next. There is so much hope in the Gospels that there's even hope after life is over. <laughs> because God is the source of life and he gets the final say. And so when we say that we believe in the resurrection of the body, it sounds nuts. And there's no way for us to explain it because we don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know what I'm going to look like in that. But I do know the hope that it gives me to think that, that when I look around and I see the hurting, when I, when, I, when, I, when I feel the hurting at 32, when my knee pops, when I go to kneel, right? There's this like hope. There's this hope that is built in that this isn't it. And I love the way Paul puts it in that verse in Philippians. He says, our citizenship is in heaven. He says, this is just a temporary stopping point for us. And when we get to move into eternity, when Jesus comes back and establishes his actual kingdom reign over all time and all places, and he's on the throne, in the flesh, in front of our eyes, things are going to look different. There's hope in that. That's the hope that these early Christians clung to in, the, in Scripture. Is that even when they were persecuted and killed and, and put on their own crosses or, or beheaded like John the Baptist, even in those moments, there was this hope. Because when Jesus comes back, this is all going to get put right. And so the resurrection of the body, my friends, is not just about us getting to have a, a new life and a second life and an eternal life that we're going to talk about next week. There's hope for everybody in the resurrection of the body. Because we all get to be made new. Let me pray. Lord, we're thankful for the renewing work that you do in us, that you do in our church and in all of creation. And we look forward to that day, Lord, when we get to see what it's like, when all of those questions get to be answered, when all of the possibilities and the hopes become a reality. And so we're thankful for that hope today. We're thankful for the hope of what's next. For the hope that comes from knowing you're not done. So God, fill us with your hope this week as we remember that you're coming again. That we'll get to meet you and be with you forever. Give us the hope today, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?